Hello, everyone. We welcome you back to another episode of the Cosmic Matrix podcast with your hosts, Bernhard Gunther and Laura Matsu. And we just came back from a little personal quote-unquote retreat in the forest from a cabin we stayed at for a few days and took a much-needed break from the digital world, specifically social media and computer and all of that. And, you know, and also took a break because we just finished one of our uh, courses, the second one, Embodied Soul Awakening course, which was, again, another great journey we uh, embarked on with 25 people. And next week, we're starting the third one. But we just needed a break for ourselves, right, to self-reflect, to go inward, and just to retreat, so to speak, and recharge out in nature and kind of disconnect from the external world and the digital world and really also engage in our own inner work. And, you know, what we also um, realized in a way, or we got quite a few inquiries from people, especially in this day and age, as more and more people are quote-unquote waking up, they understand something needs to change. The outside world, you know, what's happening is crazy right now, obviously, and there's only so much we can do to change the external world. So I see a lot of people realize the need to change within, Right. And hence, some people ask, you know, what is inner work? You know, how do I start? What do I do? How can I change myself? And we're not talking about a self-development program of just motivational <laughs> Anthony Robbins-style speakers, but really diving into deeper inner work. And, you know, we want to really fo focus this or dedicate this podcast on asking the question or answering the question, what is true inner work? Yeah, and I think um, now, especially since there's been a collective trauma through, you know, everything that happened in 2020, which I don't need to go into detail about because everyone's aware. Right. Um, so people are processing a lot more emotionally and spiritually. And in many ways, this chaos has really pushed people to a tipping point where they're no longer able to be comfortable enough and asleep enough in their lives to just kind of go along with things as they were. So they're really kind of reaching either a dark night of the soul or the craziness of the world has made it so maybe their old coping mechanisms are no longer working anymore. Um, so it's really catalyzed a lot of more people to start engaging in deep inner work. And when we talk about inner work, I think the main distinction is, um, you know, self-motivational work sometimes can be improving on the ego, basically, like creating a shinier and shinier ego. And then uh, to contrast that, there's a lot of people who do inner work and then get caught up in spiritual materialism, and then they make a shinier and shinier spiritual ego for themselves. So with this inner, with this process of inner work, we're really working with the concept of self-remembering, meaning bringing our awareness, 80% awareness into our own body, into our own experience, our thoughts, emotions, perceptions, and 80% on the external world. And that's a term by Gurdjieff, right? Originally, self-remembering. Self-remembering, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I learned about it from Red Hawk, who's a really great teacher. of. He has a book called that. Called that. Um, and then self-observation. So being able to observe your thoughts, observe your emotions um, from a place of like witnessing them, so not reacting to them. Um, and this goes contrary to most of the world. Most people are very acting very unconsciously. They're very reactionary as well. You know, even us in the spiritual path or on the path of like self-knowledge, you know, we have our moments where we, we are like that. So we really want to define inner work as more of a soulful process. It's more about bringing you know, your spirit and soul to the front, removing the obstructions that allow you to live in essence, you know, your true nature. So it's not really about becoming a better person, but becoming more of who you are, I think. Yeah. And then a lot of, uh, if you go deeper, and uh, you make a, made a good point, which I hinted at as well. You know, the inner work we are talking about is not a, is, as Adyashanti would say it as well, it's not a personality development program in terms of, you know, perfecting your personality yeah. so to speak right yeah. yeah um the personality itself is not to be demonized the ego is not to be demonized but it needs to become a vessel for something much deeper right mm -hmm. as we can call the soul it's like a being essence which we go deeper into it as well but as you said before we can really truly start inner work we need to be able to observe ourselves and that's really the prerequisite 
self-observation. And various different um, teachings throughout the ages have also un, you know, said the same thing to understand the different parts within yourselves because we are we have a you know physical being, the physical body, right? Then there's the psychological body, the mental body, the mental. and the spiritual body, right? So to and speak, the emotional body, and too. the emotional four parts. You know, people. You know, depending what teaching you look at, three or four parts, and they intersect, and we mistake one part for the other, mm -hmm. right? Hence, especially also in this day and age, an integral, holistic approach is needed, which we also use in our, you know, apply in our courses. Um, calling it the fourfold approach of holistic self-work, really like on, on the physical, emotional, psychological, and spiritual level. Yeah, because we are holistic beings. Exactly. You know, we want to you know. look at the whole person and not just an aspect of it. Exactly. Most, you know, modern, you know, not modern or traditional psychology just works on the, almost on the mental aspect, like talk therapy of trying to mm -hmm. reason yourself out of it, mm -hmm. which can be a trap in itself. I've been there, like just because you know your quote-unquote issues or childhood wounding or whatever trauma you went through mentally. intellectually, mentally, and even the story, you can fool yourself. Oh, now I understand why this happened. So now I have healed. But the body still holds it. Yeah, right? exactly. And that's the importance of the somatic work as well, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, and a lot of, and, and, and honestly, the process of inner work is a painful process. It's a, it creates a crisis in consciousness because the first thing that's going to happen is like your ego's idea of who you are, you know, how great you are, how perfect yes. you are, gets shattered the moment that you start to observe yourself and to observe your own mechanical nature, your own patterns that come from either social, cultural patterns that come from ancestral patterns that can even come from past lives, which is what evolutionary astrology goes into. Um, and the, the, the signature of, of self-development, of developing humility is seen by Virgo in the sixth house. And this creates a crisis of consciousness because, you know, from the development of the creative self, then we kind of take a, which is seen by Leo, then we kind of take a step back and we start to be like, okay, I need to observe myself. I need to develop true humility. I need to work on myself, you know? So there's this almost like quest to like perfect the soul that needs to be developed, um, as well, which can be a double-edged sword too, because if taken too far, you know, it can create almost like a, a, a way of beating yourself up of like making yourself always feel not good enough. You know, that's kind of the, the Virgo sixth house core wound is like almost like using this process of self-development to- Over-perfectionism. Yeah, to, 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 to uh, be too hard on yourself mm. and it can manifest as an internalized inner critic, right. you know, yes. so- so we Very need to familiar. kind of, yeah, exactly, walk walk a fine line with that um, because this is how it kind of like works on an axis and this is why I find it very interesting, especially now, is that we're at the end of the Piscean age, right? So this is all about, I mean, this is why we see anything from the rise of like the victim, you know, to the rise of this kind of spirituality and Christ consciousness and everything in between, you know, and even mental illness is part of the Pisces 12th house axis. So that's one part of it, but it works on an axis, as I said. So then on the op polar, on the polar evolutionary side of it, it's the sixth house in Virgo. So the more that we actually work on developing true humility through the ability to observe ourselves, to perfect ourselves, to work on the parts of ourselves that you know, um, aren't in line with our true nature. It's really about purification to the self, to the greater, that's the more that we can do that is to the extent that we actually end up developing these higher states of consciousness, higher states of awareness. So they work hand in hand. So since we're at the end of this kind of Piscean age for the next hundred years, you're going to see qualities of both Virgo and Pisces trying to balance itself out in our individual lives on a micro perspective, on a macro perspective as well, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so that's what you kind of see going on. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very interesting. So I want to like a, um, just share a quote real quick from Gurdjieff as he was quoted in, in the book In Search of the Miraculous by um, Uspensky. And he talks exactly about the necessity to, to uh, self of self-observation before we can even start into inner work. And he goes, knowledge of oneself is very big. Is it, excuse me, let me start again. Knowledge of oneself is a very big, but a very vague and distant aim. Man in his present state is very far from self-knowledge. Therefore, strictly speaking, his aim cannot even be defined as self-knowledge. Self-study must be his big aim. It is quite enough if a man understands that he must study himself. It must, 
it must be man's aim to begin to study himself, to know himself in the right way. So that also ties into the ultimate, you know, ancient um, saying of know thyself, know thy true self, gaining self-knowledge. Gurdjieff continues, self-study is the work or the way which leads to self-knowledge. But in order to study oneself, one must first learn how to study, where to begin, what methods to use. A man must learn how to study himself, and he must study the methods of self-study. The chief method of self-study is self-observation. Without properly applied self-observation, a man will never understand the connection and the correlation between the various functions of his machine will never understand how and why on each separate occasion everything in him just happens. So he talks about the machine, our inner, you know, our whole uh, being, so to speak, in these different parts to be able to observe how they interact. So this self-observation ties into self-remembering, which is the deeper aspect of really like um, being aware of your inner and outer at the same time, as, as you just talked about. But Self-observation is key. So on the practical level, what does it even mean to self-observe yourself? Well, it means to really develop that inner witness, right? Because most of the time, as, as you just talked about, we engage in life extremely mechanically, right? We identified, we're just on, on autopilot without knowing, driven by unconscious impulses. We yeah. get identified with what we do and everywhere we check out, we're disassociated, we have lost the inner witness. We're mm -hmm. not really uh, conscious of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And there's also zero focus in Western culture on developing that objective awareness, you know? Yeah. So it's also, I mean, our conditioning um, from society's standpoint is more about look outside of you for answers. So it actually goes polar opposite to the conditioning that we have, you know? Yeah. So, you know, so what it means on the, on the practical self-observe to, you know, whatever emotions arise to observe the emotion that are happening to you without kind of identifying identifying that's the key point as well disidentification yes. yeah right that's you look, read in any esoteric teaching it's not to identify what you do not identify with the emotions which doesn't mean to disassociate from the emotions mm -hmm. like check uh, out checking out still being able to feel it but you're not that Yeah, it's like that quote, I forget. I think it's Rumi, actually. He said, like, feelings are just visitors, you know? And then there's this famous um, quote by Thich Nhat Hanh where he's like, he talks about how, you know, imagine yourself in the middle of a room with a bunch of doors and thoughts and emotions come in through the doors um, and they just come in through a door and then they leave. And you have a chair in front of you and you're never supposed to actually invite any of the thoughts to stay in front of you. You just observe them come in and leave. And that's kind of how these thoughts and emotions come in through and leave through our consciousness You know, we could have the most intense emotion, even like related to like past life traumas that gets triggered in this life, you know, but through our own ability to develop a quality of consciousness, we can actually observe that emotion, let it rise up. And also it's emotional intelligence, like, mm -hmm. you know, like healing is more just the capacity to hold difficult emotions, not that you never experience difficult emotions ever again, you just become more, ab more able to witness them observe them, process them, and let them go. Yeah. You know, so that's the whole training that people get into um, when you meditate properly, which in my view is it has to be meditation ideally focused on the body where all the memories are stored, you know, so you notice the uprising of emotion and then you're able to be with it, observe it without identifying with it and let it leave. And that's really hard in itself because for yeah. the most part, as soon as people start to focus on their body, I mean, our minds are going a million times a million miles a minute for most people. So the moment that they start to focus on their body, what happens is like thoughts come up and like, oh, I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to do this. So the first thing you observe is actually through it's meditation <laughs> through, is the chaos of your own mind and yeah. how crazy you are. You know, that's why it's called training the mind. You're training the mind to be able to be more present and still. Yeah. And that honestly... I mean, there's some people who don't have an inner narrative, but for people who have an inner narrative, that takes like, like some sustained practice. It's not just a week going to a Vipassana retreat or something. You have to do that every single day because it's a practice. And the more that you practice doing it, the more that you're able to kind of witness yourself in your everyday life without attaching to the emotions. You develop that kind of mental strength. Yeah. 
It reminds me also like you know, what Gertrude referred to when you when really you really sincerely observe yourself, and I can definitely relate to that. When you really sincerely establish the inner witness, observe yourself, the different parts, you see the emotions, feelings rising up, how this relates to thoughts coming in, your physical sensations, and all of that, and the correlating actions and behaviors. What you know, if I realized early on as well in myself and still do, is my pers- my mechanical nature of the personality. Right, this is just slave mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. certain, um, to to unconscious trauma, unconscious wounds that you know drive my actions, my behaviors in everyday life, yeah. which I mistake as my conscious action. But it's extremely mechanical, and you can really observe it. It's like you know that how little control, little free will we actually have, if any at all. And that what that that realization is what Gurdjieff called coming face to face with the horror of the situation. Right to see the lies we've been telling ourselves and all this stuff coming up, or anything we just avoid, and again all these these desires we even have, which we just mistake as like you know even mistake as our soul. That's what what Gurdjieff talked the 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 false desire soul. Right, with a lot of desires or ambitions and aims we have are actually based on wounding and trauma and, and very reactive or filling holes or filling anything that has disconnected us from our true nature. So it is, you know, this deeper, sincere self-work takes a lot, takes sincerity, right? Yeah. And and commitment because... And discipline, actually. And discipline. And a lot of people I see, and, you know, I've seen it myself, a lot of people we've worked with as well, there are unconscious defense mechanisms. Yes. Right? The complexes. The complexes that keep us actually away from doing this, engaging in the work. And... You know, I've been re- recently getting back into uh, A.H. Alma's work of uh, the Diamond Approach. Also very good, Jeff. Yeah, uh, he's, his work. he's inspired by a lot of different teachers. You know, and he talked also like the problem with a lot of people engaging in the work, they lack uh, the discipline, the will, and the commitment, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Because that's, like I said, it's easier to talk, easy to talk about this work, but the rubber hits the road when you really engage in it, and it's not fun. Like no. even what you mentioned with meditation, I still see myself, you sit truly meditation without checking out, disassociating. You see like, oh my God, these thoughts are just randomly coming from the past, this and that. Yeah. And how little control you literally have it and how it takes a lot of, quote, effort to train your mind. It takes not, a lot. To it, not identify with these thoughts. And actually, um, I think it was Kula Dasa. He has this like thing, uh, this image of like the, the 10 stages of training the mind. He's a meditation teacher. Um, and it actually takes way more effort in the beginning as well. Mm-hmm. So like um, so, so to train the monkey mind, basically. Um, and it's not that you're trying to like, you know, um, it's not that you're trying to eliminate the mind or eliminate thoughts. It's that you want to be the master of your mind, not have your mind be the master of you, basically. And actually what you said, I'm going to just read this quote from Regi Ray because he talks about this kind of process um, that happens in meditation. Um, And he says, in the course of the day, there's a huge buildup of sludge in our system of unprocessed experiences or things that happened. And if we give our mind and our spirit the peace, the space and the silence, even for a relatively short period of time, all of that buildup, all of that sludge, all of those unresolved issues that cause so much anxiety and fear and apprehension and even dread, they get worked through. If you relax and let your experience unfold, your mind will find its way home. And home means back to your fundamental, open, connected, warm, joyful state of being. So that's what happens is we don't actually process experiences in the moment. We actually tend to armor ourselves up from them, especially difficult experiences or any experiences. But I would say generally in the state of the world, there's a huge amount of armoring, which is seen as body tension, which is seen as chronic illness, even it can develop into cancer or more severe illness if we don't process our experiences. So when people first get into meditation, especially, and I'm really referring to like body-based meditation where you're keeping the awareness in the body, not something where you go somewhere else, which that's a whole other topic on its own. Um, what they first experience is this backlog from literally their whole life. Mm-hmm. Like that's what's stored in the body. And that's why it takes more effort in the beginning to engage in this process of somatic work because there's a backlog there. And so you have to backtrack. Like maybe you have like 10 breakups or something you didn't process. Right. Like like me, you know, when I first started getting in meditation and I was so cut off from my feelings, like I actually went through 
intensely traumatic experiences and I wasn't able to cry and process them until I started my own yoga and meditation process and that then and that helped open the body enough so that the experience could unfold and be processed to completion and until and the, and the important thing to to know is that even though that's really not fun and it's in the sense that a lot of painful emotions can come up you know um, it's really necessary in order for you to live your life to your greatest potential or as your true self or retrieve your essence. Because as long as those patterns are held in your body, you are going to be, it's going to manifest as complexes in your life. And that's going to seek rev- resolution um, by you drawing t- towards you exactly the same experiences. Right. I, for- I forget what the term is called. Um, it's called some sort of repetition compulsion, basically. So people are wondering, you know, like, why do I keep having the same type of relationship? Why do I have keep having the same type of experience? In my view, it's because something in the body is 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 seeking and and the psyche as well is seeking to be resolved. So you keep drawing, it's seeking wholeness, right? It's seeking wholeness. So you keep drawing the same experience until you figure that out. But you can actually just process it internally through this process of inner work. And then resolve it, and then that will change the consciousness to the point you no longer. And the draw point it. is to make the con- unconscious conscious. I mean, as a, f- a famous quote by Carl Gustav Jung, as he said, "One does not become enlightened by f- imagining figures of a light, but making the darkness conscious, which yeah. means the unconscious conscious." Which also ties into the distorted form of reality creation, because people then think, "Oh, I attract the wrong partner, what wrong situation?" Because I'm just negative, and this I need to just visualize a positive outcome. You can do this like ad nauseum, right? But it will not change anything out there unless you make the darkness conscious until you release or heal that within that keeps attracting that. Yeah, and right? this is also very multifaceted work. It's also different. It, it like what one person needs may be actually pulling another person back into the past. You know, so like as far as like what do you mean pulling another person meaning like so i'm thinking of actually the north nodes so like (laughs) if one person has a north node in pisces for instance what they Mm. need to develop is like compassion surrender you know they actually need to work on more um you know uh developing more uh of this kind of relationship to the divine you know but if you have a North Node in Virgo, you actually need to get organized, discipline. You know what I mean? They actually right. work on an axis. But I'm saying that, like, you know, like as far as like practical suggestions, like what one person, what what, what may be spiritual bypassing for one person may actually be the medicine for another person. That's a very so good, that's also important yeah. because a lot of people sometimes are like, oh yeah, just give us a list of things to do, just one one yes. two three four five practical suggestions. But for me, even if I like, so how I do my 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 sessions with people in the group i'm not doing uh sessions with people um right now but how i do astrology sessions is i look at the chart right ahead of time and get a basic feel but i don't make any assumptions until i actually talk to the person so we need to also be really mindful you know these kind of quick fix like five things you need to do to heal your yes. shadow or whatever <laughs> you know it's not actually holistic it's not it's not humanistic either it doesn't look at the whole person it doesn't look at the choices they make. at the individual it doesn't, yeah we need to also really bring in the individual and the individual journey because we're each on a very different trajectory and yeah there's definitely tools which can be used across a wide array of people but we are each on an individual journey with yeah. this so that's also why Bernhard and i tend to deter away from like you know these kind of quick fix solutions because we're very humanistic in our approach and we actually look at the whole person and not only just the whole person but like how are you know when you look at an astrology chart for instance what are the choices this person has made in their lives? What's the quality of the consciousness? You know, you can look at, you can't make assumptions about an astrology chart, in my opinion, until you actually talk to the person and see what they're struggling yeah. with. And also in terms of astrology, I mean, our listeners also know this already. I mean, astrology has become diluted, distorted, the mainstream new age in many different ways. The astrology swamp runs deep too, but we were talking about deeper esoteric evolutionary astrology, which you have talked a lot about as well, which we also um, use in our programs you know in particular the uh, you know the pluto node placements uranus and all of that uh, but in context of then engaging in the somatic inner work or spiritual work as well so it's not just getting lost you know because t- because easily we, we've talked about this before people can use astrology as a spiritual bypass as well by just getting 
finding reason, getting too identified with their placement, so to speak, yeah, right? And yeah. then not actually engaging in the work. Well, evolutionary astrology is just meant to actually link us back into the natural cycles, into natural law, which we've been very mm -hmm. disconnected from. That's the whole point. And then when the psyche has some sense of order uh, within it by understanding the natural cycles of nature, then automatically, and, and we also remove things that are constructing us in our astrology chart, like difficult placements or whatever that we're struggling with, then the your evolutionary journey should unfold as it naturally should, you know? Right. That's the whole point, is not to give you like answers on like, this is what's gonna happen for the next week, but for that you, so that you're, you can have an understanding of the natural unfoldment of the cycles of the universe and that creates that sense of peace. Yeah. Everything, in, in my opinion, everything that people are looking for in astrology reports is that sense of, um, you know, comfort and peace that you understand the natural well, cycles of the universe. What they're really looking for, and most people, like even when they go to psychic tarot reading, astrology, two, two topics are the biggest one money and relationships yeah yeah <laughs> right but what they're looking for is something deeper which we which we're going to touch upon in they're uh, looking for shortly. their essence exactly the yeah. essence but i want to touch upon what you just mentioned as well because it's very important and the reason why we did this podcast um and call it what is inner work because we get sometimes messages emails people ask me like even recently like you know what is this inner work you refer to all the time i can't see anything uh, you know on your website there's so much information can you give me like a guide how to do inner work and all of that but as laura just said this there's no 10 steps of like you need to do this and this and this and this right i mean no. there are many of these um clickbait type um shortcut articles videos out there right which i feel my humble opinion do more harm than good in the long run because what i've realized we both have realized in our own process and literally we haven't worked with thousands of people over the decade is the individual process is different from one person to another. Yeah. In other words, what works for one doesn't necessarily work for another. And yes, there are general rules how apply to everyone, but how this specifically manifests for the person is different from person to person, yeah. which we also realized even though a group coaching program, which we're taking 25 people on the journey, right, we're in the boat together. So there are universal laws, natural laws, and certain processes which uh, apply to everyone, but how it specifically works is different for each to each. And I find that's why you know you have helped me with that as well evolutionary astrology gives a lot of insight to the unique individual process because mm -hmm. even with the no placements you know like for some people they are maybe not even supposed to be in a commit quote-unquote committed relationship well not you know that I mean? they're not supposed like, to but in, like if they like keep, their lessons are different you know if what they I mean? keep falling back like if their south node is in libra or the seventh house or something you know there's a tendency to actually fall back on relationships so maybe they actually need to develop the individual will more you know yeah. and also you know like that's 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 the main process of inner work is being able to forge your own pathway forward you know, and really, and really, and, and I think we live in a very Gemini age where like people just kind of skim the surface of mm -hmm. every single topic and they never really go deep. Yeah. And that's the issue. That's the spiritual and, materialism. Is and like, then they feel the, sorry to interrupt, the resistance comes in once they go deeper, an unconscious self-sabotage, self-defeating mechanism yeah. because of the lack of uh, what H. Almas talked about of um, commitment. Because he made a really good point when we commit to something, you or you reference it as well, because deeper inner work will result in death, in a death, in an inner death of the personality we're very attached to. Yeah. Right? We may completely uh, destroy, you know, we'll be challenged to the image we have of ourselves, all our beliefs, all identification of who painful. we think we yeah. are. And that's that painful for the ego. Yeah. Extremely painful, which yeah. most of us very identified on an unconscious level. And depending on how much of our lives we've been living a lie to, like as we start to wake up, like we have to either be like, okay, can we stay, are we gonna stay comfortable in the lie we've been living? Or are you gonna wake up to the greater reality and allow our world to change? So yeah. it's really like, I remember, you know, at a certain point, I, I was like a few years into meditating and doing yoga every day. I felt like I was at a threshold where like, I literally could not go back to living like a quote unquote regular kind of like matrix life um, if I cr kept going the way that I was going. And I had to have the will and almost like the faith. And actually it was really connection to essence and the divine, which 
pushed me through that because I understood that all of my old friends who I used to have conversations with about regular matrix things, you know, like I wouldn't be able to relate to them anymore as much, you know, I could relate to them where they're at, but you know, my whole, everything was changing. My whole focus and interest was changing. So there's a threshold that needs to be crossed. And also a lot of relationships, a lot of maybe jobs, a lot of ways of being, you know, as we retrieve back our essence, those things may need to necessarily change. And that's tends to be what most people are afraid of. So that's yeah. why they hold on. Exactly. So let's now, talk about, per sorry. So I say just on the very, you mean personality and essence? Yeah, know? that's what I want to talk Bef about. Before yeah. that, let's just going back to, because the question is what is inner work? Like, how do I do it? And people ask that. And again, from a very practical standpoint, before even, as Gurdjieff mentioned, even the quote I mentioned it before, and many other esoteric teachings talk about as well, before even engaging, quote, inner work, learn to observe yourself. That's yeah. that's like half of the ticket, so to speak, half of the battle already, mm -hmm. to be able to ha to disidentify with your beliefs, with what you do, with who you think you are, and observe yourself, the different parts, the emotional part, the psychological part, the thoughts, the, the physical sensation, and just observing... And the key point here is in observing is literally just observing, which meaning not judging it as good or bad. And you will see how right away you attach to, uh, to, to pleasure and avoidance of pain. You likes and dislikes, all mm -hmm. of that. It's very mechanical. But can you observe it without judgment just to see it for what it is and also observing it without trying to change it? Yeah. Right? That's also key, even especially what's happening in the body. Just to this, it, it, it requires a certain almost like um, it just requires practice and practice and curious and, and and honest curios curiosity <laughs> that's, that's how I pronounce yeah and it, also right? to be able to catch yourself when you start to grasp and bring yourself back to the actual experience of it exactly and then observe thoughts for example are these where are these thoughts coming from are these really your own thoughts right yeah i wouldn't personally well, get into that's, a mental that's, analysis that's the about next, it that's the next level worse, but you know just you know, just putting that that you know you get into an easy correct you can easily get into analysis paralysis but on the basic level you will observe you will see if you're sincere the interrelationship between thoughts and emotions and feelings you have mm -hmm. a certain thought it creates a certain emotion yeah and then and then the, uh, there are certain scenarios are then projected into the future some anxiety fear because of just something you read like whatever like the interrelationship the, between thought and emotion. and then on the contrary as well what we store in our body ends up creating the thoughts that arise exactly. as well and then so what you know so a lot of it what we experience in the present is actually then you realize it's coming from the past mm -hmm. and you project it into the present which goes deeper the shadow work triggers projections and all of that yeah, so let's right. actually but get into the process of inner work so and, and what that actually entails. In, okay. a, in, in relation to personality and essence? Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, we can conclude that as part of it. Um, so I would say the process of inner work is a self-observation, mm -hmm. self-remembering, bringing more essence to the front or the psychic being, gaining connection right. to your true self, and basically doing whatever you need to do to get there, <laughs> you know? So it's, so it's different for everyone, but for not, for, for what actually helps facilitate that, that work is number one, you know, the self-remembering self-observation is learning how to just take time, close your eyes, feel what you're feeling and notice what arises. That's the beginning starting point for everyone. Yeah. And then deepen that practice over time, you know? And some people, I also have to say, naturally have that function within them you know people who are very like virgo archetype type people or even to scorpio archetype um you know that's they're like for me like Plutonian. I yeah like i like that that was been my own um you know even as a child i remember just like asking like why is this like this and just constantly trying to like understand the why of myself and reality so there's some people who are actually more inclined for that you know and then there's other people who are like waking up to that kind of yeah. uh, way of being because because what's going on in the world has thrown them out of thrown them out of their comfort zone, you know. So we have to begin with that genuine curiosity and genuine desire to want to you know really understand ourselves and improve our relationship with essence, you know, and our true self. And that's where it begins. You have to really want it. Otherwise, if you yes. just want to do it just because you think you're going to get something out of it. 
it's you're just going to end up strengthening your ego basically you're going to find all sorts of ways to deceive yourself from actually yeah. seeing the things that you really want to know so you have to really want it because really wanting really wanting it will help you um get go through the necessary pain that will come up because honestly every single time i meditate before i meditate i'm like not wanting to do it like and i've been doing this for years so it never gets really much easier but it gets better in the sense that you start you you actually end up cutting off patterns that you've been living with your whole life so also then you know reminds me of something what you just shared you know a lot of people always ask can you some give me some suggestions what to read what books to read here and there and on that note, I want to reference a couple of essays on my website, which ties exactly in this topic, if you haven't read it yet. One of is, it is um, The Perilous Path Towards Awakening. It's under my article section on my website, veilofreality.com. It's also available as an ebook. We go deeper also in the traps on the path towards awakening or in self-work, which the ego then hijacks the process, as you just mentioned as yeah, well. Yeah, the right? ego, like, and, like, and this happens automatically. So anytime you have like an enlight, like, a, like, an experience of higher consciousness, a quote-unquote enlightenment peak experience, the ego will automatically, within a millisecond later, want to identify with it and be like, "Oh, this means I'm special. This means I'm this." Da, 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 yeah. da. It happens automatically. So just. One practice to do is to just observe the ego as it tries to do that, you know, and then that's how you can also, again, defeat this process of like wanting to attach to peak experiences. And not identifying again. Exactly, exactly. And don't, and also one also practical tip for that and the ego hijacking experiences is create the container. So if you have a deep spiritual experience, ideally do not write about it for at least like, 72 hours or more depending on the strength depending on the strength of it like when i went through really intense ayahuasca experiences i didn't write about it for like months maybe even a year after so create the container to watch it unfold because the moment that you want to share it and be like oh my god you know i'm enlightened now i healed my shadow or whatever (laughs) you know the moment you're actually not as far gone as you think you are because again what is driving that need to get validated from the outer world it's the ego you know and honestly, like these experiences, um, they take a while to integrate and you should also check yourself. So if you have an experience of like finally contacting the self or experiencing some non-dual type of awareness, you know, let it marinate and see how much you can ground that into your consciousness. Yeah, exactly. And then I also want to just expand on what you just said, the importance of truly committing to it. And what I mentioned, uh, what I just alluded to before, a lot of people ask me what any books I can suggest to read. And my answer is usually the same. You know, I don't know who you are on the individual level, what your process is, where you're at, right? I can, like all the books I reference, I quote in my writings, right? It's a big variety. Is you know, also a reflection of my own path in yes. that sense, you know? Yeah. Like I can see then there's also interrelationship. The more you, on a spiritual esoteric level, the more you truly commit, there's, it's, it's an esoteric law, the more you truly commit 100%, like to the path, I wanted to know myself. That sincerity opens doors where there haven't been doors before. Mm-hmm. That sincerity opens guidance, Yes. right? So the right teaching book will appear at the right moment for you if you are sincere. That's and that true. as it happens to me. So yeah. I can give you suggestions, but these are also, you know, or even if you read many of my essays or articles on my website i quote many different authors and teachers if there's something that really draws you in and want to learn more about it follow that get that book get you know the book itself where the excerpt is from Mm -hmm. so that's all i can say because i can see even right now i'm diving deeper into sri obinda's work and and h alma so that's kind of like really highlighting my path right now yeah most books that have really helped me have been because i was able to like i was able to follow the call of my soul to go deeper within it it's not because anyone told me in fact when i first found out about tibetan meditation through reggie ray someone sent me like an audiobook of like his whole uh, of one of his audiobooks you know and i let it sit for months and yeah. and, and i and then one Thank day you. out of nowhere when i was living at the eco village i was like i'm going to start listening to this when i'm gardening and then i was like oh my god he's talking so slow this is really boring you know and it didn't really land with me and then one and then another moment happened where i was like literally at a moment of like really crisis you know and i was like okay i'm going to check out this meditation and then that's when there was a turning point in my life. So also understand that sometimes what we most need, there could be a lot of inner resistance towards it. So we also have to be able to work through that, you know? And even I see when I do astrology charts for people and I'm like, 
all right, okay, like it's some fourth house, you know, trauma going on, stuff in the home and family. Look at your relationship with your parents. And it's exactly the thing that they don't want to do, you right. know? So we often... It's, that's basically, a key point. Yeah, basically the thing we most often need is most often the thing that we're the most resistant so exactly. to as well. Yeah. And so... And then and, we try to weigh easy way out and, you know what I yeah, mean? And all of yeah, that. Yeah, and bargain. And, and, and bargain. And, but that commitment is key because then, you know, there's also the saying... You know, there's truth that the teacher appears when the student is ready. And mm -hmm. the student is ready also ties to this sincere, you know, that, that commitment to the path yeah. right, that opens the doors. Similar in the biblical saying, uh, many are called, few choose to answer the call. Like truly, yes, I want to yeah. commit to it. It uh, relates me to, uh, reminds me also what Adya Shanti said. I think we quoted this, this part of him before, paraphrasing him. You know, he says, a lot of people want to awaken, but th what they really want is to be happy in their dream life. Yeah. Right. So they have certain conditions of how they want their awakening to be, mm -hmm. what they want to look into, but not uh, look into that, you know, and, and kind of don't realize, you know, how mechanical they start still are in their nature and even their choosing. Yeah. So to speak. That's why on another we can talk about this as well. That at some, but there's only so much self work you can do on your own. Yeah. In, in, in fact, it's it's impossible to do it all by yourself. No, that's the key thing, <laughs> and I also, you know, for me, I can just share from my own personal experience. Um, I was sent to a therapist when I was five, so I had, and throughout my life, I had really bad experiences with therapists because either I was being forced to it or. Actually, what would come up a lot since my own kind of Scorpio ego got triggered, I was like, these people don't know shit about themselves. Like, that's how I was feeling when I went to go see therapists. And a lot of therapists actually, um, I mean, it was partially on my own rebellious teenage ego. But then the part of me was also being like, there's a severe lack of like good therapists out there, right? Um, but my journey started accelerating. So basically I had huge trust issues around um, going to see a therapist and sharing my own intimate parts of myself with a therapist but once I got over that barrier like and I started working with um first I started working with this woman healer at this eco village I work with some of the people you worked with who are kind of coach styles and now I'm working with this astrologer you know but the more that I uh, got leaned into that discomfort and the discomfort comes up because you know all of your trust issues all of your issues of abandonment all of your core wounds will come up in the context of working with someone someone who's yeah. really great one-on-one -on -one. who will trigger you actually who will trigger you exactly <laughs> and that's why you know you, it's also about finding the right match as well like you know I'm not the right match for everyone you're not the right match for everyone but for the people we are the right match for we're great for you know so yeah. You also need to find the right match within you and then also understanding on a basic level, you know, this process of transference and counter-transference. So when you're in a relationship one-on-one -on -one with someone, whether it's a therapist or it's a partner, you know, all of your old stuff from your family, you know, your, your opposite sex parent or your same sex parent will come up regarding them. That's yeah. just the process. And, and also, you know, you need to be strong enough to witness this and the person that you're working with has to be strong enough to witness this and then not have their own counter-transference get in the way. Exactly. So that's, that's the process. And so, And for me, like I've always, and I wrote about this on Facebook, like I personally tend to seek out like wounded healers more than people with like degrees and stuff. And because I've, I've gotten seen some of the best psychiatrists and even therapists that are out there. And what do you mean the best with the Meaning like the, like the most credentials, right. you know, like the best schools or whatever. And um, I know that they're out there and I don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Even the astrologer that I work with is a is a trained therapist, you know, but for me, I need a specific person, you know, I need a person who's basically gone as deep as I want to go. And so that's exactly. So that's the thing personally to look for is like, again, um, this is not something they teach in a lot of conventional therapy programs, but this is something they talk about in IFS. This is also something A.H. Almas alludes to is what is the relationship that the therapist has with their own self and their own essence. Mm -hmm. So if the therapist is operating from operating and from a personality structure, you know, yeah. they're only going to be relate to us on the level of personality. And they may try to refine the personality. Yeah, but right. the best therapists out there or best coaches or best healers or whatever you want to call them are in touch with essence and are in touch with their own self. And that's where the healing happens. Right. So on that note, that's for our listeners uh, before so we end the first hour. Let's go deep, in the, because that can be confusing for a lot of people, as it was for me as well. Um, the difference between personality and essence, right? To know thyself, because we always talk about it's about to know thyself, get to know thyself. And I see a lot of people then, 
they claim they already know they, themselves, but what they're referring to is their personality, which is conditioned, which mm -hmm. is, you know, has, it's a program running based yeah. on uh, identifications and beliefs and whatnot, but essence is all beyond that. So how can we, how can we define essence? I mean, essence is pretty much everything you're looking for in the world. It's when you feel calm, courageous, compassionate, centered, you know, um, joyful, joyful for no reason, you it's, know, it's, it's not depending on anything, not depending external. on anything, you know, yeah. and so as we work through our wounds and traumas and conditioning, essence naturally more comes to the front for some people they really get in touch with, they've had experience of essence only in peak spiritual experiences, um, either with psychedelics or with doing meditation retreats, you know? So, you know, when you get like that feeling, like I'm sure many people listening have done like a yoga class where they left and they were just feeling like a bliss and on top of the world, that's them in touch with essence, essence. basically. And it's been, you know, you can call it your true soul being, the psychic being, yeah. which, you know, other. And it actually feels more like a state of bliss to the extent that you're not normally resting in that state. So for most people, they're literally in a trance of like suffering, of unworthiness, of their own thoughts and past you know and that's their general um you know that's 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 the point of awareness which i usually function in the world within so sometimes with through a peak experience you finally get in touch with essence and then you re realize how far down you're operating yes. throughout the world you know so the, yeah exactly so the key point is really to understand that you know essence it's not even if it's definitely not just your it's beyond even like uh, what also all various teachings talk about in esoteric masters it's experiencing essence it's not it's beyond thought it's beyond emotion feelings even mm -hmm. right it can somehow express itself through it but it is not that essence it's beyond even feelings and emotions and any thoughts it's a state of being and it relates to this calmness courageous you know courage immense of just like this true healthy self-confidence which just doesn't depend on anything on mm -hmm. your accomplishments it doesn't depend so on anything happening anything out there whatsoever. so if yeah. you feel good and joyful and great because of what relationship in your, your or maybe bitcoins going up bitcoins going, <laughs> you're cashing in, in crypto right now you're feeling yeah this is not essence this no. is your personality ego personality that's um conditional no based. it's for no reason like you've met you you meet people essence. who are in touch with right. essence when they're really joyful and yes passionate you can see and that yes, it comes like, to their eyes it's yes, just like there's a certain it's state just of who being they are exactly right? exactly and exactly. we all have it on to a degree like extent undeveloped maybe as an infant baby but then through the the parental programming, social programming, essence is being pushed into yeah. the back. Every right? like, you know, in, enlightened being or any being who operates at a high state of consciousness, what we're attracted to within them is essence. And that, and that essence is actually within us and we've just forgotten it. Right. So also then essence, that sense it's, you know, it, even when negative, quoting what the ego personnel, which see as bad expense negative essence is not touched by it yeah you know what i mean so yeah. if you can even still that's the whole point like the only refuge to really what everybody's looking for is this peace of mind fulfillment love and all of that is essence yeah but we're always looking through it externally because we have this we have become disconnected from it we have all these holes within ourselves we try to fill mm -hmm. artificially with stuff with relationships with money and all of that and it's not about renouncing all of that it's just we're getting so attached to it that we think we need this to fulfill us but yeah. it's like a bottomless hole right what we're looking for unconsciously is connecting to essence our true self and that's the whole point of psycho spiritual work to bring essence to the front and that means you both you know as westerners as people living in this kind of pathological culture we need the psychological work as well as the spiritual work. It's really important. Combining both. And combining both, exactly. And <clears throat> the whole point of it is to bring essence more to the front. And and essence actually as well, if you want to think of it, you know, is really just the joy of your own inner child before the trauma happened and before right. the disconnection happened, you yeah. know? So that's the point is like, remember <clears throat> when you were a child and you were just like, you know, joyful and free and not self-conscious and just free to be whoever you were without this kind of, um, you know, internal shaming monologue or the things that people develop along the way, you know? So that's being, essence. Yeah, even concerned. Like if you, if you look at, at a young child, not 
<laughs> wounded yet or could, you know with, when it's playing mm -hmm. you know in the moment just enjoying it for the pure joy of doing it without any expectation of why you know what i mean without yeah. any reward or whatever or, or reason for doing it really mm -hmm. and also not giving a flying f what other people's bystanders think about it in that very moment yeah right exactly. so that's where you're really exactly. like you know what what Je joseph campbell would also uh, would call following your bliss mm -hmm. right yeah so, but you know, you hit the nail on the head, especially this day and age, it's really important to combine both the psychological and the spiritual work. Psychological work without spiritual work always ends you up with with, with your parents yeah. <laughs> in childhood. And it also like gears you almost trying to perfecting the personality yeah. in a sense, yeah, 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 right? Yeah. Like polishing the personality, but we need to go to essence to bring essence forth. And that's where the spiritual work comes in because yeah. essence in its purest form is the divine. It's the divine within. It's, it's God. a relationship to the divine. Exactly. And that's what we're looking for. You know, I know that Valentine's day just passed by the time he releases a lot of what people are looking for in an opposite sex partner or the same sex, whatever, whatever floats your boat is essence. They're looking for remember their essence. And the more you actually, you know, do this deep psycho-spiritual work to recover your essence, the more that you no longer need these things. That's the thing. And that's yeah. the experience I had, um, you know, at, when I did my first silent retreat, is I had this profound experience of divine grace. And it was actually just a recovering of my essence where I was like, I don't actually need any of this stuff that I'm seeking to make me happy. I'm good like this. And yeah. if I can just foster this connection and this relationship, that's exactly what it is I'm looking for. And that's the point that we want to really get at. So in the second hour, um, we're going to really go deeper into this. We're going to talk about this, this theory of holes, which is what A.H. Almas talks about, where we have these kind of holes in our nature, where we try and fill them in with you know things in our lives. Um, we're going to talk about the desire soul versus a true soul, which is more of Sri Aurobindo's teachings. Um, the importance of embodiment, shadow yeah. work, triggers, trauma, emotional intelligence. Um, and we're also going to talk about this inversion of natural law and natural law and how this relates to... Um, what we see in the world right now. Yeah, the anti-divine forces. So we're going to go much deeper um, into this. Do you have anything yeah. else to say about that? No, that's great. Again, um, also, if you want to stay updated about our work, we have new offerings, we have new uh, projects and courses lined up for this year. So make sure to sign up to the newsletter mailing list on my website, veilofreality.com. And also, if you're not a member already and want to be, become a member to have access to the second hour, of this podcast or any podcast we have out and also access to the membership forum on my website also sign up to the membership and um you know that would also help to support our work lawyers and my work if you really appreciate what we're doing we would definitely appreciate your support and uh you can do this as well on my website veilofreality.com and with that being said see you all in the second hour